Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money at Menards. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. How much better does it get? Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever your audience is tuning in, your podcast will be there. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Look at us. We have less than 100 listeners per episode, yet we still make money on ads. Granted, it's not a lot, but we still make money. And finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat, .fm to get started. into another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlon, and I am joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. Jack, what is popping? Um, uh, you know, nothing much. It's storming here in Hoboken, New Jersey. Um, the Yankees game four of the ALCS was postponed due to this. I think it's hailing a little bit outside, and that's your weather report. Yeah, we had some rain here in Charlottesville earlier, which is super annoying. I hate rain. But really? It passed. I love yeah, rain. I had to do things this morning, so then I hate rain. <laughs> if I could like stay inside, I'm all about it. But I was I was driving around this morning. Valid, valid. I just love the weather that rain brings, like the cooler and crisper and cleaner air. Especially That's now fair. living near a city, like yeah, that is. Fair. There's no there's no clean air in New York City. There's no smell of poop going on right <laughs> there's now. There's no city water. It cleans all the city water. That's always good. It's always really important that you get clean air into your lungs <laughs> on a regular basis. Folks, I'm trying to <laughs> try to get the energy flowing right now. I'm a little sleepy, so okay, just, just make take sure a I don't have espresso real quick. Yeah, I don't want to lull people to sleep like I did last time. Yeah, the last time, or well, not last time, but here's the, I mean, at least this time we're not both tired. I'm pretty. I'm yeah, you're amped right now. Yeah, I'm amped. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to talk a little bit about how Benny Sorrentino's is. Having the upset bit of the century. Yeah, I'll let you talk about that because I don't understand what the hell is going on. <laughs> I, I guess I'll try to explain it to you, Bennett, and, yeah. and de facto explain it. But this one bite contest, it's a thing that Barstool Sports does. Um, the head guy in charge, I don't know, Dave Portno or whatever his name is. <laughs> yeah, Portnoy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really don't like him. I really, 
I really don't like Barstool. I think that's a different subject. But I just think it's hilarious what Benny's is doing to this contest. So he'll go around and to places people tell him that have fantastic pizza. They actually did it at a uh, place about five storefronts down from my apartment. And he'll go and I think he just gets a cheese or a pepperoni pizza. And the rules are one bite and he grades it one out of 10, how good it is based on like consistency, the crunch of the crust, the sauce, all this stuff. And it, and it's apparently taken over and it's a huge thing. So to build off of that Barstool then made kind of a March madness type bracket where each college town had to, um, what's it called? Um, nominate a pizzeria in their school town to represent them. And Benny Sorrentino's onto the round of the, the bracket of 64. And it was a 16 seed as it rightfully should be because Benny's is not even the best pizza in Harrisonburg. And all of a sudden Benny's beat the one seed. It beat the next seed and it's on to the elite eight. I'd like to hear your take. What is the best pizza? In- Tutti Gusti's. That's, that's a wild take. Tutti Gusti's without Just a doubt. A wild thing. Okay. Here, if here's my reasoning why Benny's isn't the best in Harrisonburg. It was this huge relic thing when I like everyone when I first got to JMU, everyone's like, oh my God, have you seen the Benny's pizza? There's this awesome huge slice. And it, and it's just awesome. It's really good. The thing is, Benny's had a location in my hometown in Fredericksburg. So I had already experienced Benny's for like four, three or four years. So it wasn't crazy to me. Fair. And then I came and everyone's hyping it up, and I'm like, this is just normal pizza. And then I guess Tutti Gusti's because it was closed at night and whenever I really wanted it, I could never get it. So it was kind of the, the idea of Tutti Gusti's is what I fell in love with. Okay, that's fair. What do you think's the best? Chinello's? Domino's? <laughs> I think Domino's <laughs> is by far a staple of the Harrisonburg community. It's that local pizza joint. Just hey, you, that, you know your locally that owned Domino's? What about that? What did you say? I said, you know how it says on every single like thing, it says locally owned Domino's with in Comic Sans font. Yeah, that's that's a lie. <laughs> They're lying to you. I would say I think I'm okay with Benny's going on there because it seems like it's got the novelty aspect with the size of the pizza. Okay, Respect. given the bar stool thing otherwise i'm a big bella luna guy but you can't put bella luna on like a barstool contest okay if the, if we're going into that it's not then, the right it's not the right vibe yeah, you know yeah bella luna is definitely the best pizza in harrisonburg yeah i think i just had an idea come to me about what we can do for our homecoming episode and we'll talk off air about it um but be prepared for that pizza no um here I'll spoil it for the listeners for our few listeners. I think we could do a homecoming idea of like different places, like our favorite places to eat when we were at JMU. That's a good one. I like that. I'm and, down for that. And it's kind of like our, our intro, like how we have this little Benny's intro to lead us into what we have on the slate here today. But yeah, next, next episode, cause next episode is the homecoming episode. Yeah. All right. Sounds good to me. There's that little idea drop. And now let's get into the good stuff which you all tuned in for, and now we've taken six minutes to get to the sports. Let's lead things off. Football, not JMU football. Let's lead in with extreme football league football. Any takeaways from the X is? 
what else would the X stand for? In a Vince McMahon owned oh. league. <laughs> I don't even know it stood for something. That's hilarious. I figured it was like xylophone or something. Actually, I don't think it stands for anything. Oh. All right. Well, that was misleading. Because <laughs> it just says the XFL. XFL. Is... I feel like it, I'll go with ex- Extreme would make sense, though, if it did stand for anything. Huh. Oh, look at they have all the drafts on Wikipedia. Oh, it's thank stupid. God. But what is there you... more picks left? Is there this more picks make... left? That doesn't make any sense. It says some teams didn't pick. <laughs> All right, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, well, we saw a lot of Rashard Davis got. Um, we're going to put air quotes around drafted number <laughs> one because the QBs were their own round and only skill right. players could be drafted in phase one. They had a very interesting way of laying out their draft. But Richard still drafted number one of the D.C. Defenders. You had Khalid Abdullah going to the D.C. Defenders. Terrence um, Alls going to the D.C. Defenders. Andrew Anchor going to the St. Louis team. Um, and Ish Hyman going to the St. Louis team, but then was re-signed by the Bucks onto their practice squad so he wouldn't go to St. Louis. What do you – is there any expectations you have of this XFL season? We kind of talked off-air of what you thought D.C. Defenders were kind of doing with drafting all these JMU guys – just kind of initial takeaways from the XFL. I mean, I, I think it would be kind of not like us to even just br- not even brush on XFL. So considering we talked so much about AAF when that was around. Exactly. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, I mean, I have my doubts about the league as a whole. Like I wouldn't really <laughs> expect this league to succeed just because it's really hard to be an upstart football league. I don't know that that's doable or possible. And I think what DC is doing is smart by getting some James Madison players and, some local guys that maybe you can attract people. I know they, they drafted a William Mary receiver early on as well. So, I mean, I get, I get that. Um, I just, I don't know how successful the league will be. I think the purpose of it for players like Davis Alls and Ankra and um, what Khalid yeah. is um, you, I mean, you want to get a shot in the NFL, right? So you're playing in this league. That's going to have some exposure to it. If you're able to play well, you know, you might have an opportunity to, uh, to make your way onto an NFL roster the following season or at least get a chance like in camp and in preseason, that sort of thing. So I think it's good in that regard, but I also thought the AAF was good in that regard. And then what, it lasted like six games or something. So oh, man. I don't I don't know right, how, how um, successful it will really be, especially since Vic, Vince McMahon has done this before and failed. So I think it's sort of like um, if you're in this league, it's kind of a little bit of like a last-ditch effort um, sorts where you're just really trying to to impress and, and make your way onto a team. Um, it's also you know technically as professional football and you're getting paid to play football. Yeah. So there's there's that positive there. I don't have major expectations for any of the teams or the league or anything like that. Um, but I am interested to watch the JMU players and see how they do, especially considering that Ish and Ankara both um, you know spent some time at least in NFL camps yeah. after the, after they were um, in the AAF. So they really made the most of that opportunity. Yeah. And now Ish is on a practice squad and right. Anchorage is kind of that tweener size. So he's having trouble finding a place to stay, but yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. Um, I know in the AAF, I followed along really closely to the Apollos because they had two JMU guys with Ish and Andrew. Um, I'll follow along closely with the DC defenders do. I wish nothing for the best, but, it's going to be hard. it's going to be hard for the XFL to latch on. I think we might see him for a season 
and then they might fade away into oblivion, but they'll make it through their first season on like the AAF. Yeah, I would expect them to at least get a year in. I think there'll be there'll be some interest. And there was some interest in the AAF, it just sort of they just you know, financially didn't work. On a side note on the AAF, I forgot who put it out, but someone put out like a two thousand, three thousand word feature on how the AAF failed. And it was yeah. such an interesting read. Check it out, people. I don't know what it was called. I forgot the the writer, but check it out. It was it was fantastic. Because when they started the AAF, they didn't even have enough money to get them through the first like three weeks. Yeah, it was it was just wild. Yeah, and you know what else was wild? No, but I'm excited to see this this transition. Yeah, MJ Hampton's pick six to kind of Swing the momentum all the way into JMU's favor and get them on the road to that big time win against Villanova. Just let's talk about it, you know? The Dukes are six and one. <laughs> <laughs> They're rolling. I mean, this is just a team that likes to win. Well, 21 nothing in the fourth quarter, though. I mean, that was really impressive because they were on the ropes. They were on the ropes. Found a way to rally back. Huge play from Hampton. Just good stuff overall. Um, forced to fumble early in the quarter. Ben DiNucci did some nice things all game long. R- Latrell Palmer, who you are a big fan of, Ooh. did a really solid job late in the game when he got his touches. I think it's a huge win because I do think that was the toughest game left on the schedule by a, a decent margin. Yeah, it was It was a game. Because going, yeah, going into that fourth quarter, Villanova had kind of taken control it was 24-17, and all of a sudden they'd scored two touchdowns in the third quarter. Momentum starting to swing towards them. JMU offensively starts to have a little bit of trouble. They're not moving the ball as well as they were. And the defense and secondary, again, struggled mightily. But then all of a sudden something clicked in the secondary. I didn't get a chance to go back and rewatch some of the game there in the fourth quarter. But something clicked. They got two picks and a forced fumble in that fourth quarter. And things changed drastically and and they won 38 24 they covered the spread and i would just like to say i guessed that that turnover situation was going to pan out the way it did so you know this is my time very close yeah pat myself on the back for that turnover thing yeah you in the round table i think you said what it was like two fumbles and an interception i said i said one fumble and two interceptions interceptions. and jmu won't turn the ball over once that was pretty close because it was four turnovers for nova in zero oh, they for JMU. Did they yeah. fumble it twice? I forget what either threw. I don't remember how many interceptions he threw. Okay. But, okay. Yeah, it was, all the turnovers were in the fourth quarter, too, which was crazy. Which I think that just he shows. He threw three that, picks. Okay. Okay. But I think that just shows that JMU is – I think this is a different JMU team. I, we'll talk a little bit later about this, too. But I think this is a different JMU team than the Mike Houston era. Yeah, it's it's a different squad that believes in similar philosophies, but it's definitely a different team with kind of a different vibe. And I think that at the end of last year and the middle of last year, there was still talk about what the team could be this year just because there are so many returning players. I think we're starting to see what it can be. Uh, defensively, it's, it's not perfect on the back end, but it needs to get better. But the linebackers are pretty good. Defensive line is pretty solid. And the offense, I think, could be the best offense. To me, it looks like it is the best offense since that 2016 team. Yeah. Uh, They just look really good. 
pretty much at every aspect. Riley Stapleton had a huge game this weekend. So, yeah, he's five finally. Catches. Yeah, I mean, two touchdowns, five catches, 44 yards, which isn't like a crazy line, but it's just the red zone stuff, I think, with him that really stands out is that he's been utilized tremendously in the red zone. And the Dukes spread it around pretty well. They had five players who had at least three catches, which is pretty solid. Um, so they, they did a good job spreading the ball out and making sure multiple people were involved, which is a good staple of what they're, they're trying to do under Signetti. So Ben finished the game 20 of 32, 216 yards, three touchdowns. He was sacked four times. What did you feel about them getting 32 pass attempts? I loved it. I absolutely loved it. <laughs> that was it. a complete I mean, I mean, question I like, to you. <laughs> That's the best question I've ever been asked. <laughs> they, well, I, I wrote about it last week, and we talked about it, where I thought that they should have had more of an even split, and I said even you know 25 to 30 pass attempts. So for, to get 32 and to not have it come in a situation where they were like trailing late in the fourth quarter and just throwing it every single play, yeah. I thought it was really important. But they did a good job, and Danucci did a really good job on his pass attempts. I thought they could have even been more explosive than they were, but they still did a really good job, and considering they only averaged 4.3 yards per carry, and if you take out Palmer, they were significantly lower than that and really struggled to run the ball. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense to lean on Danucci a little bit, and we knew that Villanova could stop the run, and they weren't as good against the pass. So I think the strategy made sense. There was more balance, and, and I like to see it. What do you think about the balance moving forward? Do you think they should sort of keep this, or should they go back to the run-heavy approach against teams that aren't quite as good as Villanova? Yeah, so they almost split it perfectly 50-50 this last week. 37 rushes, 32 passes, and that is what you like to see. I think moving forward, though, we're not going to see as many passes. I think we're going to go back to that sweet spot that you wanted last week. I think you said around the 20 to 25 mark is where you, you think that's kind of the sweet spot on the lower end. Um, yeah. And I think we're going to start seeing that more. I think they knew that Villanova was statistically the worst secondary in the CAA. And so they were going to test them. They were going to try them and they were going to see what was there, what wasn't there. And it worked out for them. But moving forward, I think you're going to kind of lean back onto your run attack. It just seemed like Villanova's three three five stack was giving – JMU fits more so than Elon did because Elon runs that three, three, five stack as well. And Villanova's just really seemed to be stopping the run in a good way, but allowing the pass. So I think JMU was aware of that and started to pass it a little bit more. And um, here coming up at William and Mary, I think we might see more runs. Um, and then, and the rest of the way, I think you're getting into colder weather too. And that lends itself to the traditional quote unquote, ground and pound game more so than they air it out. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think they'll they'll probably slow it down. I don't necessarily expect 30 passes in a game, maybe even the rest of the regular season, <laughs> honestly. Um, I think they'll probably slow it down, like you said, and, and focus on running it. And I don't think they'll have the same trouble running the ball against some of these teams. You look yeah. at uh, Richmond, even though Richmond's looked a little better the last couple of weeks, they're not a great football team. And you look at William & Mary, kind of both those teams are in the back half in terms of stopping the run. Rhode Island is absolutely atrocious against the run, <laughs> as is Towson. So New Hampshire is really the only team left on the schedule, if I'm getting those five games right, that is slightly good at stopping the run. So I would, you know, I would expect very, very run-heavy, a run-heavy yeah. focus the rest of the way, which, isn't, which certainly isn't surprising, given what we've seen, you know, the first seven weeks. Yeah. In the roundtable last week, you kind of talked about um, 
Daniel Smith, you and Chase both really were kind of high on Daniel Smith. I was kind of on the other end of the spectrum saying I wasn't the biggest fan of him. Um, I, I didn't, none of his stats really jumped off the page. And it was, it was me kind of one, not seeing any of his game and merely basing it off of pure statistics and seeing that everything was in the middle. Did he live up to what you expected or was there kind of a letdown there on Daniel Smith's end in terms of what you were expecting out of him? Um, I think there was a little bit of both where I thought he was pretty solid through the first three quarters. And then I guess he threw all three interceptions in the fourth quarter without a touchdown. So going first three quarters, I think he had three touchdowns passing the ball and then he had no interceptions. And then mm-hmm. he ended the game with, with three interceptions there in the last quarter. I thought he was pretty good. I think Villanova as a team is really good. I was impressed by them on both sides of the ball. Did a good job against the run. Obviously they're not perfect against the pass, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that their defense is necessarily worse than JMU's against the pass. Yeah, I, and I, I think JMU may finish the season not in the back of the pack of the CAA in terms of pass defense because of how they open the season. But mm-hmm. I think by eye test, JMU is going to finish the season as one of the worst secondaries in the CAA. Yeah, I mean, they're struggling right now. They're In terms of yards allowed per game, they're eighth uh, in pass defense which is definitely surprising uh, for a team that has, you know, an NFL prospect at corner and <laughs> safeties and things like that. But, I mean, I was impressed with Nova. What do you think about them? I was impressed, too. Um, I don't know what it is about this JMU secondary, though, that leaves me scratching my head. I think after watching this game, it might be more scheme, but that's not to take anything away from Villanova. I think they came in with a really good game plan. Um, and if the game was 50 minutes instead of 60 or 45, and if it was 50 minute game, then they would have won. Um, but it was a full 60 minutes as every college football game is (laughs) and they lost. I didn't, I really (laughs) forgot my uh, train of thought here. (laughs) I love this, (laughs) but no, they're, they're a solid team. I think they're going to finish. I think they're going to finish top six top seven I think they're going to earn a seed by the end of the season this may not have been the last time we see Villanova coming into bridge fourth but I really don't know what it was that things changed it could have been Latrell Palmer coming in and giving a breath of fresh air to Jamie's rush attack and they all of a sudden just started to take off I don't know if it was the defense finally starting to read Smith and jumping on it but it seemed like something flipped there in the the back end of that fourth quarter that gave JMU the push they needed. But really, I like watching that game, Villanova, I could argue, was the better team. Yeah, I thought they played really, really well. JMU had a pretty good first half. It was the third quarter where they kind of struggled. Yeah. And then, then you look at the fumble on the first play of the fourth quarter, which I think was pretty massive, just because you go into the fourth quarter knowing you need a rally. And then one play <laughs> yeah. in, you kind of have – a bit of a rally that that helps and I feel like that sort of springboarded things to to where where you were talking about where the end of the quarter Jamie was just absolutely rolling so I think that that helps I think playing at home probably helped especially just some of the calls um really God. upset fans those were I feel bad like... call. can we take them sorry to interrupt your point here no no but can we talk about how bad these calls have been the last two weeks there's been some very iffy officiating and if there's one thing I've learned from watching Jamie <laughs> football it's that there's going to be very iffy officiating every conference game. And it is terrible. Oh, man. Also, you being a Lions fan, you know about that iffy officiating. 
Too oh, soon? My God. <laughs> what a rough weekend for <laughs> officials. That was terrible, though. I guess that was Monday, so it wasn't the weekend they decided. To, oh, that was absolutely up. atrocious. Just killer. But yeah, no, I mean, this one was rough. I mean, there were a couple that I thought were fans were kind of overblowing a little bit. Um, but yeah, the Amos ejection yeah, I mean, was Amos ejection. Yeah, I mean, that one, I mean, he led with his forearms to the guy's head, <laughs> which is going to be called. Like, it, you can't be a safety in any sort <laughs> of football game. Especially with the guy more. going down to the ground. It's impossible. It's impossible. So, I mean, I understand it because that's like how they call it now. Um, I know people are saying that he didn't hit him with his head, but that's not the only definition of targeting if you lead with your forearms. And then there were like random photos that I saw that were like not great angles and just one aspect of it that was like, you know, changed. And people were like, oh, my, do you see this? And it's like, well, if you play the video, you'll see. But anyway, <laughs> you're just looking at one still photo, one frame. And they're like, oh, God. <laughs> but I mean, some of the calls were, were definitely questionable. Um, I don't know. I mean, CAA officials suck. That's why there's a fake account made by what I'm assuming is a JMU fan because uh, the person who runs it interacts with like only JMU fans. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that's a solid account and it's here for a reason. Yeah. Um, what well, I had something else to say. Oh, why did I write not planning? Oh, man, I am all over the place right now. Sorry to everyone listening. Um, I just did not give myself a right note. We're doing our best. Yeah, here's my hot take for you that we were texting oh, about good. earlier today that we're going to disagree with. Latrell Palmer, I was kind of lo- not low on him, but I was hesitant to crown him a good running back um, before this Villanova game because he had played very well against lesser competition. And then against top five opponent, he rattles off 103 yards on eight attempts averaging 12.9 yards per carry capped off with the beautiful. I mean, of course those are inflated because of his beautiful 69 yard run. I'm going to jump on the Latrell Palmer bandwagon now. And I'm going to say Latrell Palmer is the best running back on this depth chart. And he will burn his red shirt this year because JMU is going to use him a lot more this season I don't think they were planning to use him against Villanova. I think they wanted to save him, but I think Kurt Signetti knew his capability and decided to put him in, and boy, did that pay dividends. Yeah, I like that take. I think he's a, Oh, man, a I good... thought you were going to disagree with me, man. You said well, you... I am going to disagree, okay. but I do, I do like your take. But, I mean, he, I think he's a really good running back, and I do think they'll burn the red shirt just because if he plays in one more game, they burned it. So yeah. I do think he'll play again this season. I don't think he's the best running back on the depth chart. Um, I still think I think you can make a case that he's the fourth best with what Hamilton, Percy, and then Van Horse, um, the things they do, especially Van Horse out of the backfield as a receiver, I think is very valuable. Same with Hamilton. And then I think Percy's probably the best all-around back on the team. But Palmer's really good, and I don't think the gap between any of the four is massive. My thing is that I think people are super high on him right now, and I think they should be given his talent and his production – he just hasn't gotten more than eight carries in a game all year. Um, he didn't even play against Stony Brook. You mentioned he like wasn't probably wasn't going to go into the game um, in this one, except they struggled running the ball. I don't think they're going to struggle running the ball again the rest of the year in the regular season. So I don't know. I don't think he's going to be like the first guy off the bench or even the first guy to start or anything like that. 
um, against William and Mary. I think Percy and Juwan and even Solomon Van Horse are probably going to be on the field ahead of him. So I just think that there's there's a limited amount of of time that he's going to get the ball on and, and things like that. I mean, people were really high on Austin Douglas the first couple of weeks, yeah, and now he's not even back. playing offense. Yeah, exactly. So I just I think I would caution people to crown him too much right now. I think he's super good and talented and deserves a ton of admiration and accolades and all those things. I also just don't know that he's going to like, I mean, if you take away the 69 yard touchdown run, which you can't really do, <laughs> but let's say the linebacker tackles him in the hole or something. Then he has eight carries for like 40 yards and no touchdowns. Yeah. And then you're also still, playing still solid. Yeah. But it's not, it's not like, Oh my God, he's, you know, the next coming of Marshawn Lynch. Yeah. Or something like that. I mean, with but that scenario I, to play devil's advocate, he might then finish the game with 15 carries for a hundred yards. Probably. Yeah, yeah, he probably would have gotten more carries <laughs> on that on that drive. So you, you can't, you know, pick and choose like I just did. But I, I will say that I think that I don't think he's the best back on the team, and I I would um, be interested to see how many carries he really gets the rest of the year, considering they played seven games and he has twenty six carries, which is a an average of fewer than four carries per game, and he hasn't even played in three games. So that that's sort of why I would caution people to, to be like, yeah, I think he's going to you know, lead the team in rushing the rest of the season. Or anything like so that. I have a question for you. Yes. What you said, you know, looking at the, the remaining schedule, you have William and Mary Towson, New Hampshire, Richmond, Rhode Island. New Hampshire's the only vaguely good one to stop the run. Do you think yeah. they might put Latrell Palmer in their back pocket and keep his red shirt? That's actually a really interesting question. Because, I mean – because I, I I really do think he's the best running back. I mean, what he did against Elon and Villanova now, in limited carries in such and especially in Villanova, such a high pressure situation. What does he do? One of his first carries, he busts a sixty nine yard run, and he his footwork, his agility. I mean, every box that you want a running back to have: speed, agility, acceleration. I mean, when you're making a my player on Madden, he checks all the boxes that you go in and automatically put to ninety nine. So. That's why I'm so high on him. But at the same time, they've used him four times. He's helped them win a game. And like you said, for the rest of the time, I'm not looking at playoffs because we don't know how that's going to pan out. But just right now for the regular season, do you see him making another appearance? Yeah, I think he'll probably play this week. I think that it's definitely an interesting consideration. And I think that Vic Signetti might even think about that. And I haven't read too much this week. I don't know if he officially said that Palmer like Willard won or anything like that. But I think they're going to want him for the playoffs, and I don't think they would want him to have a five-game break going into the playoffs. Okay. And then if JMU keeps winning, they would also have a bye, so he wouldn't have you know ran in a game for six weeks. I don't think they'll want that. So I'm going to say that they, they burn it and they just give him carries. I mean, they've still got him for three years after this. It's not like yeah. you know anything groundbreaking. And, and like you said, I really do think he can help them win because he is an incredibly talented back. So I think that he's he's too good to keep off the field. Yeah, I just don't know that he's going to get as many carries as maybe uh, Percy or Jawan or Van Horse. But if he does get a lot of carries, I'm I'd be fascinated <laughs> to see what he does against these defenses. Yeah, I'd love to see him get a full workload or a quote unquote JMU full workload of like ten to fifteen carries in a game. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine if they gave him like twenty five? That'd be that leads us perfectly into this next question. That's going to kind of segue us into. William and Mary, too. We have a question from Twitter from Sonny Durth at S Durth. Um, do you see one running back eventually getting 40% or more of the carries 
Or will this amazing committee thing continue through the postseason? Not sure which is better, but the depth is fantastic. It's a tough question. I, yeah, I think we kind of just touched on it a little bit, but I, I want to hear your answer. We've kind of touched on this throughout different podcasts, but then I think my answer has flipped drastically from the first time we ever talked about running back by committee. Yeah, I'm going to say no, that there won't be one guy who gets over 40 the rest of the way just because they like to ride the hot hand and they have so many weapons, yeah. you know? I mean, like Percy is really good. Van Horse might be more of like a receiver the rest of the way in terms of what he does out of the backfield, but he's someone who's – he had his fewest amount of carries this week against Villanova, but he also had his best receiving output, so that's, that's why I say that. Um, and then Hamilton's going to get carries. Danucci's going to run the ball. Palmer's going to get carries. I just think that there's too many guys, and JMU tends to spread it out. I don't think they're going to, like, change their offensive philosophy. And especially when you have – like, I think early in the year we were saying that, like, Percy could should be the guy, maybe, yeah. even though Van Horst was getting the most carries. And then there was times where it's like, oh, maybe Jawan should be the guy. And now I think you're, there's even the argument <laughs> that, like, Latrell could be the guy. Yeah. So I think that because of that, no to the question just because there's four guys who could be a, a number one back. Yeah. So this amazing committee thing will continue through the postseason just for that. And I think that's the right thing. I remember I was very like, Percy should get all the carries and he should get 30 <laughs> carries a game and you sparingly bring in the other two. But yeah, like you said, you could argue Van Horse is the lead back. You could argue Hamilton's the lead back. You could argue Percy's like all of them are the right answer. And for that reason, that's why they're going to keep going. And now they might even bring Latrell into that fold to see him more consistently on the field. Yeah. And what's so interesting to me is that of the four running backs, all of them have at least 248 yards. They're all averaging at least 4.8 yards per carry. And they all have at least three touchdowns. And then you add Danucci, who's got 283 yards, which includes basically 100 yards lost on sacks. Jeez, Louise, that's And he scary. has two touchdowns. I mean, that's five guys that can run the football, plus Stapleton, Polk, Kendall Dean, Jake Brown. I mean, the offense is just disgustingly good. Yeah. I, I think we're going to start seeing it, too, click. I know a lot of people mm-hmm. have been drawing um, connections to this team, to the 2016 team, yeah. where they kind of didn't struggle through the regular season, but they had their tests. Um it wasn't smooth sailing through that regular season, but then once the postseason hit, everything really started to click and their offense was gelling, their defense was gelling. I think that's what we're going to kind of start seeing, but I think we'll see it a little bit early, mainly for the reason that their schedule is now William & Mary, Towson, New Hampshire, Richmond, and Rhode Island. But that's not taking anything away from this William & Mary game. People have said it's the trap game, and it very well could be. I mean, they're coming off a... Big time emotional home win. And William Mary's been a scrappy team. Do you expect this to be a trap game? It's a good question. <laughs> so, sorry, I think I, I think I <laughs> fucked up the date of like when a game was again. The stupid ass JMU sports thing. When I do the like today, and I always misread. Didn't I do that last podcast? I like got distracted and then I was like, oh, I misread this thing again. I think I did it again. My favorite <laughs> part was that your was the pause from when I finished. I was looking at it and I was like, did I fuck it up again? 
I did. They don't ever play on Wednesdays. God damn it. Also, this oh. last 30, 45 seconds are the most cursing we've ever had on yeah, this Yeah, I don't podcast. know. Are we allowed to curse on this podcast? Sorry. This is like my inner monologue anytime I ever make any sort of mistake. Well, it's not even really an inner monologue. I just kind of I verbalize it every time. Okay. I mean, god damn it. All right. Stupid ass. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm gonna stop cursing. Are we one of those like explicit con like podcasts? Uh, Probably not. Um I can put explicit on the tag. I mean we 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 drop some bad words. Yeah. I think that was the first time an F bomb's ever been dropped on here. <laughs> <laughs> Whew. Do you remember the question? Or are you fixing the tweet right now? I think the question was if I think it's a trap game. Yeah. I'm going to say no. Like, originally, I did think it was a trap game. And then I started looking at the stats. And, like, you look at William & Mary, and they, like, somehow find a way to be close to people. But they're bad at defense. And they're not that great at offense. And it's not that far a trip for JMU. Yeah. And I think there are going to be a lot of JMU fans in attendance. Um, And if you've ever been to William & Mary for a game day atmosphere, um, you wouldn't even know that a football stadium was there because it's so quiet. Um, One time I was there. And... (laughs) What William and Mary fans were chanting, block that kick on a kickoff. So I think that tells you all you need to know about uh, the tribe and their <laughs> diehard fans. So I just don't think this is like, it's not an intimidating venue. The team isn't very good. I mean, I don't, I don't really see it being all that tough. I think Jamie will win by three touchdowns yeah. or more. Scrolling through um, their, the quick CAA stats. William & Mary is only top five in one statistical team category, and that's rushing offense, and they're fifth. I mean, scoring offense, they're eighth. Scoring defense, they're ninth. Rushing defense, they're eighth. Pass offense, they're last. They don't pass the ball well. Total offense, they're tenth. Pass defense, they're seventh. Like, yeah, they're not a good team. I think – No. Cool. I remember how high it was so funny when you were so high on them. Hey, I still think they're probably they're a, a year playoff, away. A play I think they're a playoff team that has a legitimate chance to win the national title. So. But just this week it might be a different story. No, I'm just kidding, they're terrible. Yeah, but I mean the thirty seven yeah, they're yeah. I was high on them in non con play. Really well they like they had done some nice things, and they still have. I mean, they played Villanova really tight. Um, they almost – well, they didn't almost. But they stayed pretty close to the East Carolina, which I was surprised at. Yeah, they uh, they beat Colgate they by a lot. And I was like, oh, okay. Aside – actually, aside from the Albany loss, and Albany actually looks like they could be – I think Albany's a playoff team right now. I think Albany's a national title – I think Albany's an FBS caliber <laughs> team. I think Albany could beat Alabama. <laughs> No, but I mean, I mean, Albany actually does look kind of like a fringe playoff team, and so does Richmond. So, I don't know. William Mary's kind of scrappy. I just think that there's also – they've lost three in a row, which I think sort of wears on you. They did have a bye week, so there's there's that positive. Yeah, but that's a plus for them. I don't know. I just, I just think there's a gap between JMU and most teams, and I think that they're getting closer after that fourth quarter to figuring, out in the se- figuring it out in the secondary – and if they do that, I think they're going to absolutely smoke them. Yeah, I think these last two weeks were JMU was JMU trying to put it all together, and right. I think, like you said, the fourth quarter was them putting it together. I don't know if it was a scheme change, like I said earlier. I, I haven't been able to go back and watch it, but 
it seemed like it was a scheme problem, not a personnel problem. Like in the first three quarters, it looked like they were consistently bringing six or seven on the blitz, having one over the top safety and man coverage on the edges. Like they were all of Stony Brook and it kept getting them burned in Stony Brook. And then in the fourth quarter, I don't know if they were like, oh, let's not do that and let's play more coverage or more man with safety help or something and let's only send four on the blitz i don't know what it was but it seemed like they're secondary i mean they got three turnovers in the in the fourth quarter via interception so i think something finally clicked and i'm excited to see if it rolls over to william and mary granted it might look like it rolled over to william and mary but can it might be fool's gold because they are last in passing offense in the caa yeah, I mean, it's going to be a really interesting matchup, but I also think that that it's one that JMU should should win by a lot, which we've said before, and it's been close. <laughs> so, I mean, I wouldn't completely rule out a close matchup in this one, but I do think it I think it might play out kind of like the Elon game, where we're like, well, if it, if it goes Elon's way early, it could be a close yeah. one, and then JMU just sort of stepped on their throat, even though it did go Elon's way early, so... I just think JMU is a better team. And I also think after the last two wins, they're playing with a ridiculous amount of confidence. Yeah. I think what this women Mary game is similar to the Chattanooga game. Like coming into it, what we expect. Yeah. Like, oh, this yeah. Chattanooga, like we like the whole talk around Chattanooga was this could be a really good team. We don't know yet. Mm-hmm. And I think what well, we're in week we're gonna be going into week eight or nine. And that's still the talk about around William and Mary. This could be a good team. We just don't know yet. Right. And right. so because of that, I think it's going to end up like Chattanooga. I forgot what you said outside of that statement. Um, and I was going to make a comment on what you said too, but now that I forgot it, I'm going to awkwardly uh, finish up this thought. That sounds like a plan to me. What else do we have on this bad boy? Oh, we have another outline. We have another question from Twitter. Oh, oh. We had two this week. Be sure if you're listening. This is when I should probably plug this stuff when people are still listening. Um, oh, yeah. If you ever have any questions for us, go ahead and give us a – you can post on our Facebook page, JMU Sports News, or you can tweet at JMU Sports News um, on Twitter. Just send us a question of any sport. It doesn't have to be football. People just love asking us football questions because we, uh, we act like we know what we're talking about. But this question from 83Duke at SCN0001 said, ball security drills in the rain seem to pay dividends versus Villanova. Have they been back at it this week? I'm going to start this one out and say um, we don't know if they've been back at it this week. All of our talking is purely speculative because we do not have access <laughs> to the team. However, it really did seem to pay dividends, and I'll agree with you, A3 Duke. Um, they didn't turn the ball over. They had a Villanova was going for the strips, and they just didn't turn the ball over. Good for them. Yeah, really good for them. And I imagine they would do similar <laughs> things. I haven't. I think the weather in Virginia this weekend is supposed to be pretty nice, but I do think that. Yeah, I mean, I imagine whatever drills they did that. And them not turn the ball over after a terrible <laughs> performance against Stony Brook. They're probably sticking to those because it worked very well against Villanova. Yes. And as we uh, head into our CAA pick unless you have anything else to add about the William & Mary game, anything football-related to add? No. Okay, no Ben DiNucci slander is allowed from here on out. Yeah, Ben DiNucci is an absolute stud. 
I just wanted to get that off my chest. <laughs> you said a lot of authority. <laughs> like a little bit of anger there. I still can't believe I messed up that tweet. <laughs> right. Two weeks in a row where it's like, oh, the calendar throws me off. Because I see a blank day and I'm like, nope, there can't be a blank day. How do they not have any Wednesday sporting events? I guess that actually makes a lot of sense because, like, you wouldn't want to travel anywhere on, like, a Wednesday because it's the middle of, like, the school week. Anyway. Yeah, but this CAA standings are topsy-turvy. They did this last year. And there's – I did a sideline hit. Shameless plug. I was a sideline reporter last year. I could never let that <laughs> – sh- <laughs> Shameless plug for what? <laughs> for last year. Hire me. Someone there's hire somebody me. Somebody to go – oh. <laughs> Someone will go back and check out the, the clip. Um, you can check me out at www.jackghits.com. Check out my reel. Um, oh, yes. They can just go straight to the reel. They don't have to, like, dig through Madison. Exactly. Archive. It's easy. But – Last year, it was Rhode Island at one point that was, like, number one in the CAA and Maine. Both of them were really good. And you know where they are this year? The bottom of the pack. 0-3, oh, 0-3, oh, both of them. But, yeah, it just makes our job really hard, the CAA pick I think, I think if you're, like, one of those northern teams and you start playing badly, you should be allowed to be kicked out of the conference. Like, if Maine or Rhode <laughs> Island doesn't win a conference game this year, I think they should be gone. <laughs> They're only they're only a football member. They're way up north. That's a long way to travel to. If they don't win a conference game, they're just gone. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I don't know how you replace them. You bring UConn in. Oh wait. <laughs> yeah. And then UConn would be kicked out the next year for not winning a conference game. <laughs> it would just be a but constant like rotation I... of northern teams getting kicked out because they're not good. Which I think could be exciting. I think you kick them out like relegation, and then and like if, if they had relegation, like FBS to FCS, bro, that would be, be amazing. Um, Texas State would be D three by now because yeah, of whatever would, the others did to them. It would, it would <laughs> never happen because of like all the logistics and money and stuff. But you know, how cool would be if like North Dakota State and JMU could like rise their way into the FBS, and then you could, yeah, like Texas State would be like goodbye. I think it'd be fun, but it is what. <sighs> So that leads us into It's time for this week's weekly pick'em. What's I oh. You had a bad week. I had a bad week. I had an awful week. What would I was one in four. So you had Maine who lost to Richmond. We both had that. So I'm just counting it up right now so we can figure this out both had yeah. me losing we both got the jmu you got delaware wrong because elon absolutely throttled them and i'd like to say i was right on that <laughs> yeah you were correct on that um surprise that of the true. century towson um lost albany's a good team this season i'll go out and say it sony brook loss yeah wow so you're Ten and eight. Awful. I'm nine and nine. No, it's we're pretty close. We're even. I will say we're we're one game off now. I believe Delaware's quarterback got a concussion early in the game. And I'm gonna say that that was a thirty (laughs) five point difference. Oh my god, I don't think so that was basically a correct pick by me (laughs) with just a bad break. That was me with Rhode Island every time so far this season and last season. <laughs> Those were actually bad breaks, yeah. Okay, so going into this, we have a 
full slate of games, and by that I mean three. We have three games. Is that it? Wow, we only have three games. Towson's playing oh, Bucknell. Maine's playing Liberty, and Richmond's playing Yale. So Richmond Yale is actually a low key exciting matchup. It's on NBC Sports Washington Plus. So, wow, yeah. So That's New Hampshire, huge. New Hampshire's traveling to Delaware. Who do you got? So Delaware just got destroyed, <laughs> and they're they New might Hampshire, be out without their quarterback. New Hampshire. Do we have any any? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's okay. I have no let me, idea. Let me look this up really quick and see if there's any news on my man, Nolan Henderson. He was targeted. That's ridiculous. That should have been an automatic. God, he shouldn't have been injured. Jeez. God would have looked down and said that was targeting. No injury there. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? They only trailed 7 nothing at halftime? Okay. <laughs> Insane. All right, let's see. He's going through the concussion protocol. Anytime someone's going so he, through the concussion he's out protocol. This week. You know that their head is messed up. <laughs> you never want to pick a team with someone who whose head, like, I guess their whole their whole being is going through the protocol. <laughs> it's not just their head, but someone whose head is going through the protocol. So I'm going to say that New Hampshire goes on the road. They beat Delaware and all eight fans in attendance who accidentally walked into the stadium <laughs> devastated. Um. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pick New Hampshire too. Um, was it because of the concussion protocol stuff? No, I was picking it? New Hampshire before concussion protocol. Mainly because New Hampshire okay. just beat a good Stony Brook team. And Delaware absolutely got destroyed by Elon. Um, yeah, I don't think Delaware is a good team. Danny Rocco's eyes may scare me, but they don't scare me enough <laughs> into picking the Blue Hens this week. Wildcats all the way. Love that man. Um, JMU, they traveled to Williamsburg, Virginia, home of the Colonials. I mean, the tribe. Um, who do you got? I've got JMU in this one, Jack. I think that <laughs> James Madison. <laughs> I really wanted to say like Bob or something. <laughs> Just felt like a moment where I was like, I've got JMU in this one, Bob, but not a Bob. So it made it hard for me to do that, but I delivered it with the same enthusiasm that I would have if you were a Bob. That's why you know that. But I think JMU wins this game because of three things. Harry O'Kelly. Interesting. Ethan Ratke. Okay. Ethan Ratke. And Mac Patrick. All very key guys. Yeah, Ethan Ratke's pretty good. Harry O'Kelly's pretty good. Mac Patrick's also pretty good. And I think that shows you that JMU has three players, just random positions, that are all better than, than the best player on Wayne counterparts. Wayne. So I like that. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go JMU as well because, duh. But, um, yeah, I think, I think we're going to walk away on Sunday, and I, Jamie, the Jamie fan base is going to say, wow, our secondary is fixed, because I think Jamie's secondary is absolutely going to eat William and Mary alive. But I think it's going to be all fool's gold. I think the secondary problems will still be there, but William and Mary just can't pass to save their life, ranking 12th in the CAA. So it'll make Jamie's secondary look great. It's not taking anything away from JMU. They're the superior team at every single position on the field. I don't think William & Mary is better than them at any position. And if somehow William & Mary hears this podcast, this is definitely bulletin board material. And that's a big oops. But Jamie wins this one. I'm gonna, they're going to cover the spread easily. I'm going to say they're going to win by three touchdowns. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay. 
Beautiful. Rhode Island, they travel to Albany. Who do you got? A lot of people are saying that, that Albany is the best team in the country. Yeah, I, I've heard that. And a lot of people are saying that playing at Albany is more intimidating than playing at uh, the swamp on the road at LSU okay. or the swamp. Yeah. Or, you know, the big house, Michigan. And I agree with them. I think this Albany team is different. This is not your grandfather's Albany team. This is not your, this isn't even last calendar's Albany team. This is a different Albany team. And they have a head coach whose name I don't know. And what he's doing there is impressive. And I like them to win this game over Rhode Island because of him, their quarterback. I don't know who he is, but he, I think he's lighting it up. I don't know who their running backs are. I don't know. Who I don't know a single player on Albany's team. But they're going to win this game. I don't know what their stadium is named. I don't know anything about Albany. This is all really why good points that I've never realized. I don't even know why they're in the conference, to be honest with you. But they're going to win this one. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you look at their schedule, they lost thirty-eight to twenty-one to a Central Michigan team. Man, they almost pulled that one off. Then the next week, you know what they do? <laughs> Forty-five to three against Bryant. Oh, Nelly, man, that's a big time win. Then the next week, a little bit of a heartbreaker: thirty-eight, thirty-five, an OT loss at Monmouth. You know that one stings. But then they followed up next week: thirty-six to seven against Lafayette. And then what do they do the next week? Oh, they finally string together two wins: thirty-nine, thirty-one against William and Mary. The next week, they can't put three together, and they lose twenty-three to twenty to a terrible Richmond team. And then what do they do? They upset the number nine team in the country, Towson, 38-21. And you know what they're going to do this weekend against Rhode Island? Lose. They're going to win by 60. Rhode Island. (laughs) You think they're going to lose? Rhode Island wins this. But looking at, you know, Albany's roster, their head coach of Greg (laughs) Gattutsu and – they're great quarter. No, this that was a joke about their their uh, coach Greg Gadutu. But um, on a serious note, <laughs> there's no way that's <laughs> not at all. On a serious note, though, their quarterback, a redshirt freshman, Jeff Undercuffler, he's a stud. <laughs> he's a stud. Um, but I do think Rhode Island pulls this one off. But don't be surprised if in the next one to three years, Albany makes a run at second place in the CAA. Yeah, and that, that about wraps it up for this week's CAA Weekly Pick. Um, um, we appreciate you guys coming in and tuning into this week's edition. Um, and here, now we're going to jump right back in to this week's Olympic sports wrap-up. We have men's soccer, women's soccer, field hockey, volleyball. We got some golf, so I feel like I'm forgetting a sport in there. And Bennett is still laughing at I don't know what. <laughs> I can't get over his last name. <laughs> You're still oh, it's the undercuffler. <laughs> Seems like a like a Batman villain or something. I thought you were still the laughing at Greg Good Pizza. <laughs> that doesn't help. Oh, well, Albany's good, though. So that's impressive. Good for them. Good for them. Proud of them. Proud of the undercuffler. All right. So, men's soccer. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. Men's soccer. I was at that yeah, game. Yeah, give me the at number one. Came at played at number one UVA. Um, they had a few chances early in the second half that they kind of needed to score. Um, it was tied at zero, but 
uh, UVA, which they've done to pretty much every other team this season, has dominated possession. They did that against GMU. Um, and yeah, if GMU had capitalized on a couple of those early early opportunities, they could have gotten up one nothing and then held on defensively. Um, UVA had an incredible strike late. I think it was the seventy eighth minute for a goal to win one nothing. Jamie was in the in the match, and I talked to UVA's head coach afterward for the Daily Progress and wrote, wrote an article for the Daily Progress. Uh, one of the things he said is he said it felt like an ACC match. He said that JMU, like the level of play that they had, is no different than an ACC squad, which I think we've seen and kind of realized, especially after JMU beat Wake Forest. But I think that's a good sign for for fans of the Dukes. They should be in contention throughout the NCAA tournament. And um, yeah. They're they're really good. UVA was better, but Jamie's still really good. Yeah, you kind of said um, that Ferial, and then I kind of expanded upon it and said, really, their whole offensive attack seems slow almost. It, they're really good with the ball. They have heads up plays. They make smart plays, but it just you never see them on the breakaway that often with the ball. Like, how how can I put this? They can get on the breakaway when they don't have the ball at their feet. When a, when a good ball is played in front of them and they run, they can get on the breakaway. But you never see them outrun a defender. What did you yeah, see in person with that? Yeah, that's a good point. I think that's something with UVA that you look at Virginia and they have numerous times this season where they've just sort of gotten stuff on the outside and they, somebody breaks free just because of their speed. And I don't know that JMU has the craziest team speed, but they're so good with the ball. Ferriol is absolutely ridiculous, and he's clearly the best passer on the team, but he is just unbelievable what he can do handling the ball. And I think that that's JMU's strength is just really good possession. And they had, when they did get their few opportunities, it was because of just gorgeous passing. And I think that's something to keep an eye on is that JMU might not have the same level of team speed as some of the teams that will play, especially late maybe in the tournament if they, if they get late in the tournament. But they've got such good passing, such good defense, such good competitive nature that it makes them a really strong squad. Yeah, that was really that was a really well put answer. I mean, I'm excited to see how this team plays out. I'm excited to because I think they're almost a shoe in now to make it to the uh, to quote unquote what's it called? What's it, what's the soccer called? Is it just the tournament? I don't even know. I, I'm excited to see them. Does it have a name? I thought, I thought it probably Noah referred to it as a name. You probably um, I feel like the Final Four is like the College Cup. Yes, that's what he was referring but, to. Yeah, the College Cup. Yeah. So Okay, so that's the Final Four. I think that might – I guess what's the, that's what they call the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and then when you really get there, it's the college Then it's cup. really the College Cup. Yeah. Yeah, but they're a good team. But Ferriol really does. We've talked about it so many times. He really carries the team on his back. Yeah. Like yeah, and you, I think time. you tweeted it because Jamie, Jamie tweeted something that was like, three of these players have a combined twenty goals, and you're like, very last one. Yeah, I, yeah, because I saw that and I was like, yeah, that's cool, but that's also like saying me and LeBron James have combined for four NBA titles, <laughs> like, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, I mean it's it's a little skewed. Like it's very clearly Ferial is one of the best goal scorers in the country, and then they've got a couple guys that are have four goals, solid, but four they, goals each, right? Right, like cool. <laughs> yeah. You have a season. You have one more than a season hat trick. I'm not trying to. I, it sounds like I'm really like berating these guys and being like, "You stink!" Like, no, four goals is really great, and especially like on that team, you don't have to have a bunch of huge goal scores. Like, it's shown that it works with Ferial and blah blah blah. But it's just funny that they're like twenty goals, and it's like, yeah, 
more than 50% is one guy. So you could just say Ferriola counts for 12 of them, but I digress. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I get what you're saying where it's like JMU's offense isn't really like a three headed monster. Yeah. It's, it's one head. Yeah. With, with some really good surrounding pieces. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, so women's soccer. beautiful, beautiful transition there. I, I like it. They picked up. I thought they were playing today. Got a tweet wrong, <laughs> but uh, they their last match they won four nothing, which I was kind of surprised to see, but also impressed. I don't know how good the College of Charleston is, but the Dukes are right around. Or I guess they are exactly at five hundred, two two and one in conference play. They've got four matches left, and then they start the uh, conference tournament, CAA tournament. Do you think that we're going to see? a continuation of that four nothing win, or do you think that they're still going to sort of be a 500 team the rest of the way? Um, uh, that's a really hard question. I haven't watched enough of them to like, know, but yeah. I would say that we'll kind of see them pick up a win. Here's my expectation. They pick up, a, they win three of their last four. Okay. No. Yeah. They're going to win three of their last four. <laughs> I'm really going back and forth. <laughs> but even if they don't, I think as long as they can make it into the college tournament, not the college tournament. Wow. The CAA tournament, because not all teams make it. If they can get in, right, not all teams make it. In soccer? Am I tripping? <laughs> I can't remember. Let's see. One, two. I don't even know. I, I can't tell, base. Oh, but so – I think they can. <laughs> Let me clear I think they can peak at the right time and make a little bit of a CAA run. But we've said it again and again on this podcast. This isn't the same team of last year. Um, they're good, but they're just not that dominant CAA force that they were last season. I mean, in the CAA so far, they're two, two, and one in their first, second, third, fourth. They're fifth in the CAA, five, nine, and one overall. So the field size is six teams. And there are 10 teams. Okay, so yeah, not everyone makes conference. it. Jay, so you are correct. Yeah, JMU's kind of on the fringe then right now. They're 2-2-1. Two, two They're on the bubble right now, folks. <laughs> they they actually really are. If they lose this week, they – who do they play this week? They've got two – I just looked up. They've got two scrubs. So well, I don't want to be too mean. but like, They've Tessin that is last yes. in the CAA. Yes. But if JMU drops two of these last four, they might not make They'll it. They'll be bubble they, they might not They'll make be it. They'll be bubble that's something to really keep an eye on. So now's the time. If you haven't watched, tune into Madison and start watching. And uh, two of these last four games will be on Madison. One will be on Flow Sports, and one won't be on anything. Yes, the one on Thursday. It's a Thursday game. Today, folks. it's today. on Wednesday. It's yeah, today. today. If you're listening, that is on Madison. Check that one out. They're playing Towson. Towson is a team. God. It's not very good. So oh and five a, in the CA three ten and one overall. Well, definitely a great opportunity to watch a James Madison University victory. <laughs> I don't know why you said it like that. Field hockey, here we go. Ongi field hockey. She just won CA Player yeah. of the Week, right? She did. They're playing a lot better here. The last they've won three in a row. Yeah, they actually are. I I, I along with their the Jamie field hockey account. And I always expect, like, oh, tough loss, oh, tough loss. I think they found their identity, though. Like, I don't think they're an offensive powerhouse. Like, looking at these scores and, like, what mm-hmm. I see, like, coming out from them, I think they're a yeah. time of possession and defensive team. I mean, 
Like, right. That's not crazy scoring in, in field hockey. No, no. That's, that's pretty standard, sort of that low-scoring, good defense thing that I think Jamie wants to be. And they play number four Duke Sunday, so probably a loss there. But then they've got St. Francis, who I don't believe is very good in the non-conference, and three more CAA matches. There's a very legitimate chance that this team ends the regular season at 500 or above, which is a testament to their perseverance and ability to keep going. I've been pretty impressed with them, actually, the way they've responded. Yeah, I mean, they could have easily folded after the dreadful beginning and everyone, not many media outlets talk about them, but us kind of piling it on and saying, I'll just pack it in this season. You'll get him next year. It's another building year under Christy Morgan, young talent. You'll be good next year. But no, all of a sudden they're two and one in conference and third place in the CAA standings in front of them is Delaware at one and oh and William and Mary at two and oh. Yeah, they're they're a scrappy group playing pretty well. And um, I've also been impressed by volleyball's response and how they've responded after losing a couple of conference matches with back to back three set victories on the road. I think we're kind of starting to see them get to be what we thought they were going to be. Yeah. And I think we kind of, so, I, I mean, we both were so high on them saying they're not going to drop a single match. And we might've been a little bit, um, what? Braggadocious. Hubris. Yes. We had a little bit too much hubris in the team. Yeah. Oh yeah. Are these yeah. the big words? Are these my SA two words that are right? But you're nailing it. I think what we forgot is that one of their like go-to players is a freshman. Like, yeah, they do have that veteran leadership in Michaela White and um, Bree, and they have one other senior that I can't think of that I'm looking up now. Is is Briley a senior? Yes. Brendan Moore? Sarah Martin. And Sarah Martin. That's what it is, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they're three cornerstones being seniors, but you have Sophia Davis, who was absolutely on a fire in the beginning of the season and still is. But she is younger. She's a freshman. A lot of this team, this is kind of their first time in a starting lineup in heavy usage role, considering they did graduate out, I think, three huge prominent pieces. So I think, at least speaking for myself, I was a little bit too high on them and just completely forgot that there was a good amount of this team that was new. And I think they have found their niche in the way they play together. And I think we'll see a solid run here coming out for the rest of the CAA. I think so, too. I think they're finding their footing a little bit, and then you've got a couple more matches at home, and then they do have a big road stretch for a while. But I do think that they're getting to where they need to be. Um, The CAA championships in New York, which I believe is Hofstra area. Yeah, that's Um, Hempstead, yeah. Yeah, that'll that'll be a little challenging just because it's kind of far away for that. But excited to see how this team finishes the year. I think they're one of the JMU programs that excites me the most, and if I've Got some free time coming up. I'll see if I can maybe swing by to Harrisonburg and watch a match because they are a very fun team to watch, and it's a great atmosphere there in Sinclair Gymnasium. Yeah, and on Friday, they're going to be versus against – I don't know why I just said it like that, versus. They'll be playing against Northeastern, and that will be on Madison. So tune into that. Chance to watch yeah, it. Tune in if you can't, can't make it on over to Harrisonburg and Sinclair Gymnasium inside of Godden Hall. And now <laughs> – I don't know why I said it like that. And, no, I like and, that. I think we need to finish these with weird okay. voice. Um, I think that leads us into golf. If I'm not forgetting <sighs> any other sport, I don't think these I am. These 
So golf, boys. give it to me. Men's golf. <sighs> These boys can play. These boys can play. They have two wins in four tournaments. They've not finished worse than fourth. They're ranked according to like golfstat.com, which is a big college golf site, 59th nationally. Wow. Last year, last year, 81 teams made NCAA regionals. So this team is looking like, assuming it continues to play well, it has a chance to make an NCAA regional for the first time this century, which would be massive. So I think that this is a very special team doing a lot of great things. And they have a lot of players who are not seniors. Walker Crest is a senior and he's somebody they rely on a lot, but other key contributors who are not seniors. So this could be the, the golden era of JMU men's golf. Yeah. And Jeff Forbes, the coach just uh, yes. secured his most win. The, mo- I can't talk. Wow. Just secured most wins in school history with his 14th career coaching victory. Congrats to Jeff Forbes, but also on a side note, that also just shows how like, lackluster this program's kind of been with 14 wins it is hard to win tournaments never mind get like second if you get second out of like 15 it's not technically a win okay never mind i i I retract i I will say that i don't know how long he's been here he's been here a while though but like there are some programs that could win 14 tournaments in like a five-year stretch and i don't think jamie's done that so i mean i do think that you're right that it has been kind of lackluster and like a middle of the road CAA team. They had Ryan Cole and they were pretty solid when Ryan Cole was there. They got really close to making a regional, but ultimately fell short. I feel like this could be the year just because of how, how well they're playing and the fact that they're deep with players who aren't necessarily seniors. I think that sets them up for next year, having a good chance as well. So I'm excited to watch. Well, I guess you can't really watch any of it, but I'm excited to follow the rest of the JMU men's golf season because i think it's a, a special program women's golf team's done some really nice things this year as well um cross country's been good swimming and diving i think they picked up a win um against northeastern over the weekend so a lot of stuff going on a lot of really good jmu successes i think that this program and the entire athletic program is trending upward beautiful that's what i like to hear did we forget any sport women's golf anything happened over there with women's golf I don't know when the last time they played was, but let me take a quick gander. At the women's golf cup. They... <laughs> okay. <laughs> they, they, they play Sunday, Monday, Tuesday coming up. They haven't played since the third place finish at the Chris Bannister Golf Classic. <laughs> so they, but they're playing soon at the Pat Bradley Invitational on Lakewood Ranch, Florida. <laughs> I mean, humidity is going to play a factor there. You want to make sure that you're keeping the ball, flighting it, depending on what the dew point is, things like that, and your tee shots. But, yeah, they're doing well, too. So maybe, I don't know, maybe Jamie's a golf school now. And that's how we're going to finish it. <laughs> Just that question. Maybe Jamie's a golf school now. Um, yeah, so we wrapped up all this. Can you believe, what is that guy's name? What was that guy's name again? Sorry, just I think we should end on that guy's name. <laughs> it was under undercuffler. Jeff undercuffler. So any, anything out there that you uh, <laughs> that you uh, need the people to read? <laughs> Can you imagine that being your name? <laughs> undercuffler. Okay, okay. So you can follow us on Twitter at JMU Sports News. You can give us a like over on Facebook. Just put in JMU Sports News in the search bar and we should come up. 
Um, and also check us out on our home on the web, www.jnusportsnews.com. Um, for Bennett Conlin, my name's Jack Fitzpatrick and Jeff Undercuffler. If you're out there and listening, we appreciate you. Have a wonderful rest of your Thursday. See ya. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube